you a little bit of context. I pastored a church, uh, River of Life Christian Church in Walworth County for five years. To give you a little history of context about the church in 2002, 2003, the church started as a church plant breaking off from one of the largest congregations in the county. After gaining some traction and stability in the early days of its existence, the church joined a well-known association of churches, the larger church. This partnership was advantageous for them in their early years because as a new church with no denominational affiliation, they needed the administrative boosts that came along with being a part of a larger church association. That meant a lot of the language and the documents that they had, uh, ideas about mission and vision, came out of this association's documentation on mission and vision. While in retrospect, maybe that's not the best way to develop your new mission, uh, these ready-made documents and language allowed them to spend their time growing their ministry reach instead of meeting time, spending meeting time talking about wordsmithing over mission statements. They weren't quite sure who they were in the beginning, and they weren't quite sure what they were about, but they were intent on hitting the ground running as a church plant. And from the outside looking in, they did really well. The church grew from a few families in a living room to over 150 people in just two years. That numerical growth forced them into a situation where they had to look for a more permanent location, which they eventually found in an old historic building. And we'll talk about that building in a little bit. With a permanent location, they were able to do a lot more ministry. Food pantries, recovery groups, they offered counseling, they grew small group ministry. Their Sunday morning worship was what they would call spirit-filled and inspirational. For all intents and purposes, this church had made it as a church. But as time went on, as many of you have experienced, the numbers weren't growing as fast as they used to. So in an effort to keep up with the projections of where they wanted to be in their five to ten year plan, the church invested more and more of its resources in a pursuit of growth. The church heavily invested in marketing materials and added more programs and ministries. The addition of these programs wasn't all in of itself a bad idea necessarily. However, as you can imagine, adding more programs to an already programmatic church put an incredible amount of pressure on the staff, on the church's leadership, and the key lay leaders within the church. Now fast forward a few years, the church is no longer in a planting honeymoon period, and the people who had put their blood, sweat, and tears into this congregation for its early years were tapped out all of which caused great, a great deal of disagreement and division within the top levels of leadership of the congregation. This unstable period of time led to a boiling point moment in 2015, where the founding pastor retired from ministry. The reason for his retirement seemingly came, uh, stemmed from burnout and splintered relationships within the congregation. Now, not unlike many congregations, the founding pastor became the face of the church. He was the church 
for many people. He was the visionary leader. He was the guy. He was the Pied Piper for this group of people. And when he left, they were confused and tired and hurt. They struggled to see what was going to happen for their church. For years, they mourned that loss. But in 2017, after a difficult interim season, the church began a new search for a lead pastor, which just happened to be the exact same time that I ended up coming out of my seminary studies. And being someone who was interested in church revitalization, I was particularly interested in this congregation's story. And as being someone who is interested in church revitalization, the congregation was interested in me as a candidate for their lead pastor role. And after candidating process in the fall of 2017, I was hired on as the lead pastor of the River Church. Now, I did a lot to prepare myself because I was moving from a role of youth minister into a role of lead pastor. But nothing was more important for me in that transition as one phone call that I had with a mentor of mine. And in that conversation, my mentor shared some really important wisdom that shaped my posture for how I was going to lead in this new role in ways that I could imagine, uh, that I, I just simply could not imagine when she first shared it. She shared this. Listen. Listen to what's said. Listen to the questions that are asked. Listen to the stories that are being told. Listen to what prayers are being offered. Listen for the common threads that are woven in the lives of those you are being called to shepherd. Don't do a whole lot. Just listen. Because when you listen, you can tell what people value. When you listen, you can tell what people care about. I like to think about this as a play off of the text from Matthew 6, where Jesus says something to the effect of, where your heart is, there your treasure shall be. For what people say, the words that they pray, the stories that they tell, where they put their energies, that will tell you what they value. That will tell you what matters to them. The advice that I received from my, my mentor at that time helped me a lot in the early days of entering into a new situation with new people. But as many of you know, when you enter into new situations, things come at you fast. And for me, that was, I realized that the first day I came into the office and they said, Zach, guess what? We're, we're going we're gonna to enter into a capital campaign and we need $80,000 for uh, the roof that is uh, not doing so hot because there's, in the, when it rains, there's a waterfall in the women's bathroom. Um, so we need to raise $80,000. Welcome to church. As dizzying as it is to take on that news, I quickly came to appreciate the way that this congregation was going, to, uh, going about this capital campaign. Not only were they committed to raising the money, but the leaders of the church committed to pray each night together for the first 40 days of this campaign. Every night for 40 nights, a small group gathered in the church office to pray together. And yeah, in those prayers, they prayed hard about the money, but they also prayed for healing. They asked for release of addictions. They sought wisdom in having difficult conversations with 
family members. They prayed over one another. They used the words from John 17. They prayed to be made one as the Father and Son are one. They prayed to experience a sense of family that was lost over the many years in their congregation. They prayed for the church to fully embrace God's will for their congregation. Now, I'm not talking like 25 people in a room. We're talking a small group of people every single night that came together. But their time spent was powerful and inspiring. And at the end of those 40 days, somehow, some way, by way of donors of the community, really, they raised the $80,000. I mean, it was wild. That's my first 40 days in uh, my pastorate. In 40 days, the funds were raised. But probably what I, I experienced was far more incredible to me, was that the model of discernment for this church was taking shape before my very eyes. In the weeks and months that followed, per the recommendation of my mentor, I spent time just listening. I asked some of the people who were in those prayer meetings and other leaders from the church to join me in one-on-one meetings with congregants. We spent time just sitting with people to listen to their stories. We asked questions about what they valued in their own lives and what they valued about the church. I think, now in retrospect, those times of listening and sharing stories, I think what we heard was that what God's desire was for the congregation. Those listening sessions led us to engage with what we sensed God wanted for the community. And believe it or not, very little of what was shared in those gatherings had anything to do with what held the attention of our church's leadership at that time. Instead of focusing on budget issues, we heard a desire to see the church be a place where people could experience a family. Instead of talking about what time a worship service should be on Sundays, we heard over and over a desire to want to be aligned with God's will. Instead of roofs, or roofs, depending on what you like to say, we discussed what it might look like to join with what God was doing outside of the building. Those listening sessions spurn what now I would call times of discerning in common. The leadership of the church took what we heard in those listening sessions and really wrestled with what was was God up to in our community. We contemplated our sense of mission. We considered values and and the motivations of, of the community in their life together. Now, little did we know that that time of discerning together happened just at the right time because in September of 2018, less than a year from when I started at the church, the church was experiencing some financial difficulties which revealed some really tough realities that the congregation needed to face. There were questions about the viability of the congregation's future and the roof project. Well, that wasn't going well. In fact, it hadn't gone anywhere. As a church with very few resources, we weren't really sure what was going to come next. So after months of discussion on discernment with the leadership and the staff around the topic of mission and values, while at the same time working through questions of financial viability, in an effort to be as transparent as possible, we decided let's have a forum with the congregation so that they could ask questions and we could interact with the situation. Now, I don't know how you all feel about big church meetings, but for me, they weren't that much fun. Rarely would I say that they were moments for holy spaces to take shape. But to my surprise, what we experienced in that meeting was 
in fact, a very holy moment, not just for me, but for the church, and one that truly acted as a launching pad for what was to come for this congregation. In the middle of a conversation about what are we going to do, we attempted to lay out what we saw as the landscape of, of the situation for the congregation. And we had a time for questions and, and comments. And one of the uh, members of the church, who is a member of the prayer team that was as a part of the 40 days, but not in any other formal leadership uh, position, asked this question. And it's a question that changed the trajectory uh, of, for the church in that season. She said this. She asked this. Can our church be the church? if it isn't in this building? Can our church be the church if it isn't in this building? That question is difficult because of the circumstances around that building, and yet it was beautiful. Now, as you might recall, what I said about this old historic building, the roof wasn't so great, and I mean, it's just, there was a million and a half dollars worth of improvement that needed to be made, and we were a small church of 50. But this building, in their history, was the rallying point for their congregation. It's what their people poured every ounce of energy and resource into to make it the home for their congregation. So when asked, can this church be the church in this building? That question was difficult because of the history that came along with the building. However, because of all the conversations about discernment and, and trying to pay attention to what God was doing, it was beautiful given where we were. It was beautiful because it called us to consider who we are called to be as the church in our community. It stirred up in us questions like, does staying or leaving this building keep us or allow us to be the kind of church that we want to be? Can the church be the church that people were saying that they wanted to be in these listening sessions if it isn't in this building? Or to reframe it to use the language that we've used in our time together today. How attentive are we to our mission together as the church? Is our mission grounded in this building or is our mission something else? Can our church be the church it's called to be if it's not in the building? And after time of conversation and prayer and community discernment, the answer to the question, consensus building-wise, was yes. It was an uncertain yes, but it was a yes that was filled with excitement around what the community sensed God was stirring up for this little group of believers. In early 2019, the church began a process of moving out of the building that it had called its home for a majority of its life together. The fruits of this discernment process led them down a path of developing what we call the mobile model of church, where we invested the money that we had for the roof set aside. We invested it in two buses. One was a 13-passenger bus that we converted completely over to be uh, sound, video, and AV uh, worship unit on wheels, where we would pull it into a p place, tear it all down, or pull it all apart, and an hour later we were ready for worship. The other bus was a 40-foot bluebird, 
which was gutted and made into a mobile kids ministry space that doubled as the church's food truck for its uh, community meal ministry. We then signed a two-year lease with a local township to utilize an indoor park space that allowed us to pull both of our buses into the space. There were growing pains, but this model of church, based on the question that we were saying yes to, felt like we were on mission. It felt like we were aligned with what God was calling us to be. It was challenging, but it was exciting because it felt right. Unfortunately, though, we talked about like when you make plans, things don't happen. I think John said that earlier, right? Unfortunately, 10 months into our lease, the township said that they had to terminate our, our, our lease contract because they were going to renovate the space, rendering us without another church home second time in 10 months. Our last Sunday that we had scheduled for that space was March 22nd of 2020. <laughs> now with your groans, your collective groans, I don't have to tell you the significance of that day. However, I do need you to know that the very next week we were in person. Why? Because we were set up as a mobile church to do what all of you now know as drive-in church. We were doing drive-in church before it was cool. We just were doing it because we had buses that we could roll into parking spot. It was fun because we were able to face the moment in a way that a year prior we would have had no ability to do. In the past three years, no church as all of you know, has been able to avoid the difficulties that have come in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic. But in the face of change, the River of Life Christian Church has learned what thriving can look like, not because of its leadership, but because of its commitment to listen to the voice of God together. They didn't get there by coming up with some snappy three words from the church down the road that helps attract more people mission statement-wise. Instead, they've committed themselves to listening to God's voice to speak to them about their community. They've settled into their practice of attending to what the Spirit might be doing in their midst. And I need you to know that it was a joy of mine to be a part of this church, and it was a joy of mine, it's a joy of mine still today, to see them lean into these newly formed values because of them listening to God's voice to guide them through the season of their church. They've learned through challenge and difficulties how to attend to the things that are in line with who they believe God is calling them to be. It's such an incredible story of what it looks like to listen and discern together. Now, they'd be the first ones to tell you they are far from perfect or experts at this, and they'd be the first one to tell you, this is not the perfect model for every single church. But what I would say is that where they are today, a congregation learning what it looks like to thrive in a modern world, they're in that position because of their intentional practice of communally listening for the voice of God to guide them. And it was a joy of mine to be a participant in a, just a small bit of their history as they learn to listen to God's voice. 